we bought the LLC and in the LLC, we were the, the members, but in the back, he was the owner of the property, but yet he had no voting rights on the, in the operating agreement. He had no rights at all. All he got was the payment. And then once the defeasance was up, he got his final payment. And then we set up a Gmail account with the name of the property. We emailed Wells Fargo. So we're the new asset manager of this property. And here's what's going to happen with the property. We're going to have a, a downturn of uh, occupancy. It's going to go down to nearly zero and then back up to 64. And this is the time cycle. And they approved it. Do you have a website that gives you credibility and captures leads? ApartmentInvestorPro.com can help you get a professional website today. Can you build your investor list without a website? Sure, just like you can cut down a tree with a pocket knife, but why would you when you could use a chainsaw? Typically, building a professional website can be a real pain, taking thousands of dollars and months of your time. One syndicator said it took him 10 months on his own. Another had to go to three different companies before getting something usable. ApartmentInvestorPro.com makes it quick and painless. All the designs and content is already created. With 15 years of experience building websites for investors, ApartmentInvestorPro.com gives you peace of mind and lets you focus your time on finding deals and investors. These powerful websites capture contact information from your potential investors. You can even automate the follow-up process. No more letting good investor leads fall through the cracks. Save 10% on your website by going to apartmentinvestorpro.com and using promo code CREATIVE. That link is in today's show notes. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Hello and welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam AAA Adams. And my voice is going. You heard that because I had um, two coaching calls and six podcasts yesterday, and my voice is feeling it. Today, I'm with Bruce Willett, and what's interesting, what we're going to be talking about is how you can be a lot more successful by doing something differently. Every all the syndicators out there, they want to make money either for themselves or they want to they want to serve their past investor. And because they have their focus on themselves or their passive investor, I think that they're still actually making a couple of mistakes. So you'll find the secret sauce today with Bruce Willett, uh, who runs and owns and who founded the company Bakerson. So tell us a little bit about Bakerson, the name, how you got the name, and what your company focuses on. Yeah. Uh, so Bakerson, I, I grew up in the in a bakery business in Minneapolis, the Woolett Bakeries, which is still in business today. It's a 78, whatever year old business, over 75 years old. And I grew up in that business. And when I left that business and started in real estate, um, I came up with the name Bakerson. And at the time, my business partner, Jack Martin, his dad is also a baker and his dad worked for my grandfather in the 60s. So it's a small world that uh, he came from Seattle. I came from Minneapolis. We met in Phoenix. And our, our fathers had both worked for my grandfather in the 60s. And then my dad took over the business in the 70s. And I worked there for, uh, from age 11 to, uh, you know, with, alongside my dad till 26, so 15 years. Ultimately landed in Phoenix and uh, thought, hey, Bakerson, I'm, a, I'm an SOB. I'm a son of a baker. And so that's been, uh, so, and it was an honor it was to respect my father who's now passed away. And I've kept, a, kept that name in his honor. 
Awesome. I love that. And so tell me a little bit about um, the very first deal that you ever did, first real estate deal. I know you own a few condos and you've got another 250 doors in multifamily, but just take me back. Um, what was the year? What were you feeling? Like, what were you going through as you're purchasing that very first investment? Um, just before I purchased that investment, I, I spent uh, a year working with, uh, with an individual doing uh, tax lien foreclosures in Phoenix. And he had, he had been leaving a lot of money on the table when he makes the offer. He says, I'll make an offer. If they don't redeem, we can foreclose and get the property. And this would have been in, uh, in 2000, 2001. Uh, from June of 2000 to probably uh, the, the fall of 2001, that's what I did. And when he was leaving that money on the table, I said, hey, I can buy some properties. So then um, I found a property at, uh, I'll still remember, clear as, clear as can be, at uh, 36th Street and Cactus in Phoenix and got a hold of the owner that there's a hoarder house and we got a, uh, a police officer alerted us to it. And I said, Hey, I can, I can buy that. So I contacted a person I know that had money and she put up hundred percent of the money. I bought the property, uh, cleaned it out and rented it out. And we had it with hard money, high interest at the time, probably 15, 18%. And we were cash flowing on it because it was such a good deal and hard money back in 2000 was a lot higher than it is now. And so that was the very first deal. And it was, uh, it was a very fun project for us to have. We held that for a couple of years um, and then I sold it. But that was the first one of over 2,000 doors that I, 2,000 properties that I purchased. And then, um, you know, it was a single family that we flipped. And then um, we've done over 1,000 multifamily, uh, both wholesale, about four or 500. And then we changed into, oh, maybe not quite that many, 200. 200 uh, wholesaled and then we've uh, taken down and repositioned uh, nearly 800 in Phoenix and Tucson. Excellent. Thank you for going through that. So you've done around a thousand-ish doors, not the 250 that you own today. Um, Glad you mentioned that. Now it's time to really dive in to this secret sauce that's really working for you in your business because you've switched your focus. You've switched your focus. It's, it's not as much um, how do I get money or how does my passive investor get money, but you have a unique way of looking at it, and it's really benefiting your business, Bakerson. So let's talk a little bit about that. Share that with the listener. Yeah, so the, uh, our, our focus is, or our, 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 our passion is service, serving the underserved. And the underserved are those in, in Tucson are 700 to 1200 a month in 700 1200 a month in rent or in uh, Phoenix, you know, 900 to 1500 a month in rent. I believe they're underserved. And our, our uh, focus is the permanent renter, one who never own a home and would like to live in one. And our mission is creating communities which are safe, functional, durable, and clean and treating each resident with dignity. And the desire is attracting like-minded individuals to take this journey with us, which would be passive investors and our promise is to leave all things better than we found them. And that is what I call our five pillars of our vision. And so the focus being on the permanent resident with a passion serving the underserved. Thank you so much. I love that. I love that. Okay, so how does having your pillars and vision where you're leaving your communities better than you found them and focusing on the resident, the permanent resident from 700 to 900 to 1100. How does that give 
your passive investors a better bottom line than if you're focusing on the passive investors first. Does that make sense? No, it, it very much makes sense. So um, all of us have shopped retail, even though the retail is changing. We've shopped retail where we go into, um, we go into, into Walmart and we're the customer. We're, 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 paying, the, we're paying their bills. And, if, and, and the experience at Walmart is different than the experience at Target or is different than the experience at Neiman Marcus. You notice which ones focus on the customer and which ones focus on something else. Might be price, might be quality. So our feeling is if we focus on the, on the resident, we're actually focusing on the customer. At the low end, a $700 resident in five years is a $42,000 customer. And when I walked into the Apple store and spent about $8,000 a number of years ago on some computers, all of a sudden I got a call from their business, to business uh, sales and they said, hey, here's some things we can do. You set up a business account and you get some extra perks for being a business because I spent what $8,000. So I got a $42,000 customer who the previous property owner treated with everything but dignity. They treat him as a second class citizen and didn't think they were worthy of their time. But anybody that's in multifamily, I don't care how good you are. Vacancy is a very expensive thing to have. And turning units is more expensive than, than retaining residents, just like retaining customers. So I look as, at the residents as the customer uh, with the hope that they'll take care of the community. And if you have a sense of community, your crime goes down, your problems go down, your maintenance goes down, and your satisfaction goes up. And isn't that what we want to create a secure investment is have a secure community. And from there, it, it actually does affect the bottom line, does increase the NOI, which in fact does take care of the investor. So we absolutely are passionate about taking care of the investor as well. Yeah, and and I didn't mean to to say that you weren't. I just think it's interesting that when you, you really did, you did that when you really also. truly focus on on the resident and making sure that they have a really good experience, everything else kind of falls into place. Um, and I I feel like a lot of a lot of um, newer syndicators. I know you've been in the business in real estate since for basically 20 years. Um, but I, I would say that there's a lot of people that are getting into it right now that, that are, are, are me centered. I need to be able to do this. I need this. Or, or they just think about the past investor and they forget about the resident, which it, which is really where it all starts really where it all starts. So we have a couple of people. Um, Sarah, uh, widely is on the Facebook live right now. And she, she's saying so true. Uh, Ruben is saying awesome. Uh, hello <laughs> there, there, there's, they wanted to say hi to us. There's four comments so far on the Facebook live. And if you're listening to this just on, on iTunes later on, know that if you have a way to jump on Facebook, um, uh, follow me, be a friend with me. You can actually throw your questions live on the podcast as we're recording them. We do a lot of them on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Um, so just know that. And that also means if you're on Facebook Live already and right now, and you have a question for Bruce Willett, you can actually throw that into the comments. And I'm going to be monitoring that as we go through the through the interview. So I'll be asking some of my own questions, but I also really enjoy asking your questions. And the place that you can do that is right there on the Facebook live. So Bruce, um, while I 
Uh, paused. Uh, let's see. Keith says, Hey guys, just jumped on Keith. If you have any questions, Ruben, Sarah, if you guys have any questions, throw, throw them into the comments. We'd be happy to, to answer them for you. What we're really talking about is how you can increase your bottom line by really paying attention to the, your true customer who is the resident, the tenant, the one that lives on site. So Bruce has the five pillars and we really skimmed over them. I want to go back to the very first pillar. Um, share that with us, and let's get in. Let's dive into it a little bit. Yeah, our passion is serving the underserved, and the reason I say that is the the, the underserved are those that they're, they're lower income, they have lower level jobs, they don't necessarily have high capacity, and it's not a it's not picking on them, but it's just reality. They need an extra help. And if you can help them in one area of the three very important parts of your life, which is food, shelter, and clothing, if I can help take care of their shelter, and they pay us. We're looking at self-paying residents. These are not uh, freeloaders, but the self-paying residents. If I can help them have a place that's safe, functional, durable, and clean, and they're treated with, with dignity, that's one-third of what they really need in life. And they can take care of their food and their, and their um, clothing. And the second pillar? is a focus. Our focus is the permanent resident. And when I say permanent resident, I don't mean that people that are stuck in that, but they might be there by choice, but they may never live in a home, may, may never own a home, but they would like to live in one. And it's, it's creating a home for people that, because, you know, um, possession is nine tenths of law. So while they are renting, they actually, you know, they own that space, so to speak, from you. So we want to make sure that they have a place that as much as we can influence, a place that's comfortable. And the third pillar and the third one is uh, our mission. And our mission is creating communities which are safe, functional, durable, and clean, and treating each resident with dignity. Uh, I grew up in a family where my father told me that never judge a person by who they are, what they look like, the color of their skin, wh what neighborhood they live at, that you always treat everybody you meet with respect and walk away with a, with a, with a better feeling for humanity. And he was very, very adamant that we didn't judge people based on that, especially on a first meeting. And so that has really stuck in the core for me that we do not judge those that are less fortunate. Thank you for going into that. And I, I couldn't agree more with your father who, who uh, it's so important. And I've noticed so many times that if you, if you do prejudge, if you do base something on how someone talks or, or what they look like or what they're wearing, um, a lot of times we are absolutely wrong. Keith's saying 100%, 100%. Yeah, there's so many times where um, I, you wouldn't know it, but, but um, one person is, you know, is, is one of our biggest passive investors and you just, they just look like any other, any other person. And then there's a few people that look super sharp and, and they're right next to um, for, foreclosure or whatever. So it's really interesting. You can never... Um, you can never really see that at, based on just what, how people look. So I'm glad you went into it. And then the fourth pillar. Is, is our desire is to attract like-minded individuals to take this journey with us. To me, buying real estate and being in real estate is, is not a destination. It's a journey. And it's a, it's a tagline that I adopted a while ago where I, I, on my emails, even I said, let's see where this journey takes us. When I say like-minded individuals, it could be podcast uh, podcasters such as you. It could be investors, passive investors. It could be active investors who want a JV. It could be lenders. Uh, it could be vendors. 
anybody we come in contact with internally, externally in our business, our desire is to attract like-minded individuals. And we have seven requirements to be a Bakerson. And if you want those, we can share those. Please, we want them. We want them, right, guys? Uh, If you're on Facebook, give us the likes and loves or type in the comments right now. We want those. We want those seven. So let's, let's get started, Bruce. What are they? Okay, number one is should have an interest in real estate. Number two, cannot have uncontrolled ego. Number three, cannot have uncontrolled greed. Four, must be implicitly trustworthy. Uh, number five is must be competent at what you do. So the money that you've earned and the, what your business you're in or whatever you do that you're competent, you're not a trust funder, get free money um, through lawsuits or other things like that. And then number, I think that was, was that number five? Number six is uh, must care about people. This is one of our core values at Bakerson. And then the, the last one is the most important one, Adam. It's we have to like you. Because we don't like each other. There's, there's just too many people in this world to have to bring people on that are poisonous to us, our relationships. And there's good people I haven't done business with. They're very good people. But when it comes to their business acumen, we haven't had a good match or a good cultural match. So those are the seven requirements that we have. And we use that in a sense that we say that the, the way we use that, let's say one of our, one of our guys is out in the field and, and I'm talking to Adam and I say, what is, who's Adam? And I say, oh, you'll like him. He's a Bakerson. Then they know that it's answered a lot of questions. There's a level of trust and there's a way that they can share more with you than somebody that just blindly calls them. So it's a term we use in time. Oh, you'll like him. He's a Bakerson. And it right away gets them to be part of our core, if you will. So oh, it's fun, okay. but it has some value as well. I love that. Um, Sarah and Ruben have both asked questions on the Facebook Live. So we are, we are going to get to both of them. Um, first, we are going to the fifth and final pillar. If you could share that one more time and see if we need to dive deep. Yeah, our promise is to leave all things better than we found them. And, you know, when we buy a property and we fix it up, sometimes we sell it, it's 80% complete and, you know, 70% occupied but it's better than when we bought it. Our promise is always leave the situation better than we found it, found it. And also the relationship. My hope is when I leave this podcast today that I left it better than, than I found it, that we left a little nugget for somebody out there. If not you, Adam, somebody in your audience that says, hey, that was great. I resonate with that. Thank you for that. And it doesn't have to be much, but it's just a little bit better than we found it. All right. From Sarah Jung Wildly, uh, with this in mind, how do you increase rents to market when buying a value-add keeping both investors and residents happy. Um, is it a fine balance, but would you like, uh, it, it might be a fine balance, but she would like your thoughts. How do you increase rents by yeah. keeping that in mind? Yeah, when, when we go into a property, we start repairing it. And then once it's going up, we let them know there will be an increase in rents, but there'll also be an increase in responsibility for the owners that the properties we buy have been neglected. So they're like, hey, I live in this place. They haven't, uh, they haven't serviced my AC unit for you know, eight months and I'm frustrated. What are you going to do different? We'll make sure everything's running first. If we won't raise the rent before we fix their unit or brought it up to, up to, uh, up to market. And we bring it up to market. I, I hold my fingers just a little bit apart. I said, all we have to do is this much better than everybody else. And it, it feels like we've done a huge difference. So if we do a big difference, it feels like it's, it's just unbelievable. And we get that from the community. And we usually repaint the buildings, do the landscaping, parking lot, fencing, security, things like that. So they see things happening. We say, these things aren't done for free. We're going to make a better community. And sure, some will leave because of financial reasons or they can't afford it or they're not a fit culturally to the community. But most of them 
have said, you know what, we're going to stay on, we're willing to pay more because once they go to shop the market, they find out that anything that's comparable is, is same price and it's easier to not move. Love it. Ruben uh, Greff asks, Bruce is about to take down two projects, 184 units total. His second deal is out of state. Um, it's his first out of state deal. Ask him about going out of state for the first time. Yeah, obviously, so. obviously Ruben knows too much. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm kidding. So yeah, no, I know Ruben. So we, um, yeah, we're taking down two projects, one in Tucson. It's a, it's a 90 unit, which we're closing on the end of the year. And then, uh, in January, we're closing on a, a 68 unit. I think he has, it's a hundred, it says 184, but it should be, uh, 154. Uh, it's a 68 unit building in, um, Southeast Texas. It's on the Gulf and it's, um, right at the Louisiana border. So going out of state for the first time, what we did is we we're, we're doing a JV partnership with a group out of Houston and they'll be the boots on the ground. We'll be the asset manager and the capital side of the business. They'll be the on-site and the project project management side of the business. They've agreed to take on the loan. We'll take on the equity and collectively we're going to, we're going to do more together than we can um, apart synergistically. So the first uh, thing out of town is working with individuals or out of state working with individuals that I know and I've known them for a number of years. And we finally are, we finally inked a deal and we're going to, we're going to close on that in about a month. Love it. Thank you for going into it. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the final five. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you'd be further along financially by now? If so, you're not alone. Many people find themselves wanting to ditch their nine to five, wishing they had more time with their family what most people want is to simply live the life that they choose and with plenty of money to do so. The good news is you can live an abundant life through apartment investing. Mark and Tamil Kenny with Think Multifamily help you take back the time and freedom so that you can live free from the stresses that burden so many. Through multifamily investing, they teach you how to set your family up for a lifetime of true success and fulfillment. They have helped hundreds of people just like you. Patrick, for example, who since working with Think Multifamily has purchased over 900 units with another 850 under contract. And at 27 years old, was able to quit his demanding job in corporate America. Regardless of your age or profession, Think Multifamily can help you create the life of your dreams. As hosts of the new Think Multifamily podcast, Mark and Tamil will walk you through the journey step-by-step step to make sure you are completely set up for success. Through this interview-style podcast, you will gain a proven strategic apartment investing system and hear stories from successful investors, all to help you be light years ahead of those who try to do it alone. Subscribe to the Think Multifamily podcast today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash podcast. Mr. Bruce Willette, what's the most creative deal you've ever done? The most creative deal that pops into mind is a 64-unit apartment building. It was our very first building we did in Phoenix. Uh, and a group came up to us and said, hey, we need, we need help taking this property down. We have a problem. There's a defeasance which is a prepayment penalty on this property of $155,000 if we close it in the, if we don't, if we close it prior to that, um, 
period, which ended in, I think, 13 months after we were buying it. So we, we were trying to figure out how can we get around the defeasance. So what we did is we bought the LLC, put the because the owner was in trouble with the loan. So we bought the LLC and we created, uh, in the LLC, we were the, the members, but in the back, he was the owner of the property, but yet he had no voting rights on the, in the operating agreement. He had no rights at all. All he got was the payment. And then once the defeasance was up, he got his final payment. And then we set up a Gmail account with the name of the property at gmail.com. We emailed Wells Fargo. So we're the new asset manager of this property. And here's what's going to happen with the property. We're going to have a a downturn of uh, occupancy is going to go down to nearly zero and then back up to 64. And this is the time cycle and they approved it. And so that was the most creative was buying the LLC to keep the bank from uh, going into foreclosure or due on sale clause. Very, 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 very interesting. I love it. Thank you for going into it. I really appreciate it. So the next question of the final five is what's a book you recommend? My favorite book by far is a, I've, I've rarely read a book more than twice. This one I have read three times and I've listed the audiobook twice. And it's, it's a personal development book called Relentless by Tim S. Grover. And he was the personal trainer for Michael Jordan and gave some very good insight that uh, in business and life. And it really resonated with me. So Relentless, Tim S. Grover. Okay. The next question I have is, just take me back five years ago. I know you've been uh, investing in real estate since 2001, but if you just look five years ago, what, what did life look like? What were you focused on? What were you stressed about? And ju- you can give a brief answer. And then the second part of that question is just explain what it looks like for you five years from today. Okay. Five years ago, we were just landing that, that 64 unit that you, I was just mentioning to you. Uh, we were doing multifamily as our first venture into, uh, we were doing single family and wholesaling. We had wholesale 25 apartment buildings and we were in the middle of wholesaling and we were a wholesaling machine um, doing, you know, two to 300 homes a, a year. And this one here came up and we bought it. So that's where we were. The stress was we had never done multifamily, but we brought people that trusted in our business, our vision, and our direction, and they jumped on board. And so that's five years ago, five years from now, I see us having a thousand units under ownership that have very little, less than 50% debt. And we have a ability to take people along with us where they'll return, get all their capital returned, but yet still be in the deal. And that's really exciting to us to have five years from now, people in a deal, no capital, but they're still owners as equity. It's a pretty cool program we're setting up. Nice. Bruce, how do you give back? Well, um, I have, uh, my wife and I are married uh, tw- over 28 years. We have six children and the eighth grandchild is on the way. So one of our giving back is we do take care of our family, uh, very involved in local organizations and just taking care of people. I believe just treating everybody with respect that you meet is one way to give back. Um, and then we have, we have a variety of charities that we get involved with. Okay, now, before I ask you my fifth and final question, I've got two listener questions, one from John Gilmore and the one that we mentioned from Elizabeth Miller uh, during the break. So, Elizabeth Miller asks, how do you source your apartment communities? Well, the, the, probably one of the most common ways is what's really good is to get, get in touch with local brokers and become their friend. And if you're moving to another area outside of your own, make sure that you adopt the culture that is there. When we came to Tucson, we were told Phoenicians are never going to last in Tucson. And what, what did we do? We just became Tucsonians. You know, we got, we just say, hey, we're going to do this. Here's what we're going to do and make it very Tucson, if you will. So same thing in any community USA. 
Um, the second way is if you find a property you like, track down the owner and be in touch one-on-one month after month. And we got one property that we just talked to a guy, pinged him off and my son asked him, what is your biggest challenge with the property? And then every time he'd call him, hey, remember that challenge was your distance? Um, has, is that still a problem or where are we at? Finally, after a few months, he said, I, you know, I just want to get out. Why don't you make me an offer? And so direct to owner. So those are our two favorite ways that we do is direct to owner and then with brokers. Great. Off market, off market, off market. Off market. All right. So John Gilmore asks, let me, let me read this out here. Uh, I'm sure that both you and Adam came, come across hundreds of deals with great numbers and have a great team. Going through so many, how do you know when you have the right one to pull the trigger on? You know, there's a, there's a, a thing that in this Relentless book, if somebody wants to read or listen to it, you'll learn, is there's a point where your instincts will trust you. People say, trust your instincts. I say, let's, you know, I'm training myself so my, so my instincts trust me. So my instincts make decisions based on what is right. And then those decisions are made and they trust my actions. And that's kind of deep. But so what does that mean? When you walk into a property, when I go walk it, you, you get the smells, the sounds, the sights, and the numbers. If they all add together, it's a deal. And sometimes you go to a place and something isn't right. And usually when you dig into it, something isn't right. So there's a lot of things we run off. But the biggest thing is do not, if you're buying in the way that we buy, we will never buy on pro forma. We buy non-performing assets that have no, when I say perform, a uh, broker perform, we create our own. And we buy non-performing assets that have no cap rate, um, a negative cap rate, probably they're losing money. So um, if you can see where you can turn that corner, and my, my advice is do not bank on an X percent increase in the property value over the next 10 years, unless you can prove it through increasing NOI through rental increase based on what market, market adjusts to. But people make these promises. So I say it has to be, the final answer that it has to be a good deal today, that if I bought it today, fixed it today, and sold today, is there profit? If the answer is yes, then that's a good deal. But if it's like, it. hey, the only way is if we fix it today, and we, we can't sell it today because it's, 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 it's cost us more than it's worth today, but we'll bank on the future. Speculation will kill you once the market turns and it will eventually. Really, really grateful for you to share that. Great feedback, love it. And that brings us to our fifth and final question because the questions have slowed down now on the, on the Facebook Live. Good to have so, such uh, great listener interaction today. All right, my last question, Bruce, how does the listener find you? Now, this is one way. What's the best way for the listener to find you to get a hold of you? The best way is to call me on my cell. I've given it out and I get very few calls. So until I get overloaded with them, call me, 520-808-9111. All right. It's in the show notes now. Bruce's cell phone is in the show notes. John, by the way, said thank you for answering this question. Uh, he has the exclamation point, so he's very appreciative. So thanks for going into that. You've got Bruce's cell phone. Make him sorry he put this on the Facebook. 520-808-9111. Bruce, thank you for coming on the show. I'm grateful for everything that you've shared with us, uh, opening up, exposing your business and the strategies that you're using, the five pillars, and all the other value that we've gotten from you. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Think outside the box.